0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I want to give a special thanks to everybody who listened to the inaugural episode of Lunchbox Special edi- of Lunchbox Sunday Edition, which was on last Sunday, and was about what I call SPAT, which stands for Single Parents Alone Together, from um, the 2002 instant classic, otherwise known as "About a Boy," but it, I it, I actually use the acronym to say, to mean single people, single people alone together, not parents, because we're all we're not all parents. Trust me, I'm not a parent. Um, <laughs> but and, so if you if you like if that was your first experience with me. This will be a much less edited, much more stream of consciousness thing. Um, I will will and am still doing the Sunday edition episodes, which are much more heavily edited. Take out all the ahs and ums and all the spaces. Although I took notes for this week's episode because I watched the thing that we'll be talking about today. That we'll be talking about in this episode, the day I'm recording the episode, which is on Thursday. <laughs> but um, just a brief heads up: the next Sunday edition episode will be about something that I think we could all use right now, and that's iashke anime. If you're curious about what that is, um, you're gonna have to wait till Sunday, or you know, use the power of Google to type in to get the spelling of and type in iashke. Um, So you can see what that word means. But definitely if you need some help relaxing, definitely tune in to the Iyashuke episode of Lunchbox Sunday Edition this Sunday. Um, And I hope you really like it. It takes a lot for me to edit out my stupid... (laughs) It's why I don't do it for the for the late friday night slash for the late thursday night slash early friday morning for most people um episode because i will literally record this and then put it out like it's a, a and i make like two hard cuts and fucking throw it into the ether um but that said Let's get to what we're talking about today, which is a little movie. I don't actually have the year from, the year that it premiered, um, but it is called Lou Over the Wall.
1: They say that the mermaids who dwell on Merfolk Island first appeared in Hinashi Bay long ago. You shouldn't be practicing near the water. I told you, they're attracted to music. <gasps> <gasps> what are you? Well. <laughs> Shh. the more folks supposed to be dangerous. It's our secret, okay? Everyone, friends! She's not a threat to anybody. (laughs) This is the first time I've seen you laugh. (laughs) Mommy! Please go and save her! No! No! Everyone, we have to evacuate! Stop talking before we stop being polite! (sighs)
0: Now, I've talked about Misaki Yuasa twice, at least twice, on this podcast. I've talked about his movie um, The Night is Short, Walk-On Girl, and more recently I talked about his movie, all it was from the before times, (laughs) um, Ride Your Wave. And if you listen to those reviews, I really liked... I actually like, personally, I like the nice short walk-on girl better than I like Ride Your Wave for a number of reasons, but mostly because I think that it excels at what Yuasa, as a director and animator, is interested in, in a signif- in a much better way than Ride Your Wave does. Um, long and short of it is... is Ride Your Wave is about... By the way, spoiler alert for both of those things. But you can listen for both of these movies at this point. But you can listen to... those movie... To those reviews in the podcast feed. So, if you want to listen to those first and come back to this one... Uh, you can definitely do that. Let's pour myself a drink here, shall we? Try trying to spill it. Oh, um... But, so... Ride Your Wave is about a relationship, a romantic relationship that ultimately goes, ends in tragedy and how that shapes the main character of that movie. Um, that, but, um, Night is Short, Walk on Girl becomes about, basically, a very self-centered female protagonist kind of realizing and opening up to the idea that not only is somebody interested in her but that she that it wouldn't be a bad thing if she let herself be interested in him so to speak um, but that's that, that's a very very broad like thing or broad explanation of both of those movies plot lines there's tons of other stuff in all of youA's work. If you watched um, his latest thing, which is Keep Your Hands Off Ken from last season, which I'm just finishing up um, because stress is a bitch and sometimes you just want to shoot people in the head on Overwatch and, like, ignore the world. Thank you, reality. Um, but that basically... That's his his newest work, and it's all about animation. And, like, it basically serves as an analogy for, like, the animation industry and, like, specific... ...moments in the animation process. But, um, I really like it, and you should... If you're at all interested in animation, in general, beyond just anime, I would definitely check it out. But, um... On that note, Lou Over the Wall" is about Lou Over the Wall" is definitively different than his than all of his other work, and all of his, and one of the nice things about Misaki Yuasa is his work has the same stylistic flair and a lot of the same it has a lot of, has a lot of the same visual language, but it all somatically is pretty diverse so what i mean by that is where you know he's making a much more traditional television show in something like keep your hands off a versus something like the night is short walk on girl or ride your wave ride your wave is much more a Romantic drama, Night is Short, Walk on Girl is much more romantic comedy. Heavy emphasis on the comedy. It's less... It's less ro- It's less about romance than it is about comedy. And it's, it's more... Um, best way to describe the Night is Short is it's got a real... It's got a real mumblecore vibe, if that makes any sense. And if you don't know what mumblecore means... Basically, Mumblecore is the kind of movie that, like, nothing happens in. If you've seen the movie Garden State, that's a perfect example of a Mumblecore movie. Um, But, uh, The Night is Short more of a Mumblecore movie. But, Lou Over the Wall is about overcoming depression and... Um, How the worlds can set up around you to make you depressed and keep you there, and how uh, the world can depress itself on like a a, across the board, and it's about getting yourself up out of that. And it stars um, a Lu, a mermaid. um, The our main character Kai. A, a like quasi love interest ish named Yuho, and a um, and there's and the third kind of main cast member is um, I think his name is Yukito, but anyway, so Kai is like he is in his feels, he is. Deep in the dump, very depressed, and the show opens up with a with a with the the, not the show the movie opens up with him with a video of him on YouTube making pretty interesting but fairly basic beats on his MacBook Pro. On, But you see it as if you were looking at a YouTube page. So I took notes for this because I thought it would be good. Like, hey, start taking notes on shit. And I have this note that just says, Kai is depressed, but on YouTube. And that's really how it feels. It Feel if him putting his, like, music production on YouTube is less about him... Thinking that he has something there and more about him being like, well, this is, this is the point of this. This is like, this is what you do with this. It feels very much the way a lot of people, it be, the way it feels to watch a lot of people do stuff on TikTok, honestly. But, um, so he's making these beats on YouTube and... His best, his two best friends, Yuho, who clearly has a like real thing for Kai, like she wants to portray him in the most positive light all the time. Anyway, and like Yukito is there, but Yuho is like, "Hey, Kai, what you doing? What you doing, bud? Hey, you want to hang out?" <laughs> and you feel bad for Yukito because Yukito is very clearly like. I, I, I feel like I'm getting his name wrong. But um, you tell is very clearly, like, he's into Yuho. Like, he's always been really good friends with Kai, but he's into... Really into any female his age or otherwise. But, like, Yuho is there. And for this entire show, Yuho is, like, shown as, as like, showing up to events, like, dressed... Like she is dressing for people to see her, which i find which they make which they make really clear, which I find really interesting because it, it it's not that that's not a thing that lots of animators do and like put into um their films and shows, but in this case like it really feels like. Yuho is like, she's in a, she's in a, like, you can tell when a day passes because she's in a different outfit and, like, she has all these, like, flirty, cute outfits that, like, she's very clear, and it feels clear to me that she's wearing them and she's like, Kai, pay attention to me. (laughs) Um, so that, you have that kind of, like, triangle, late, middle school friend dynamic thing happening for this entire movie Um, and then you see them walking to school and they're walking through this port town and when I say port town I mean like a real port town this town's like livelihood is two things it's it was tourism but now it's fishing and like it but now it's fishing basically at at one point the the movie tells you pretty early on that like hey we had this cool island theme park here and tourists used to come and hang out at this theme park but then it went bust we don't know why but there's all these legends about mermaids and you don't come out here and fit and we don't fish the waters around the theme park because there's so many sunken ships because the mermaids have been fucking with people for that long. And the, the quote-unquote wall that they have in this movie, it's basically this massive cliff because they live in, like, um, I forget what, what they call it. But, like, the, and I, I really I wish I knew the, like, geographic formation. But um, it basically it's like a giant grotto. I think that's the actual name of it. Like they they live on the coast of. They they live on like a, in like a port town, but then around the port is this big fucking cliff of like sheer rock. And that what that functionally does for the movie is it lets a the animators play with light, b it gives you this like feeling that Ka- that especially kai is always in the shadow of something and when you see kai's uh, kai's house which i think is kind of cool because he lived in a like house in like a house with a boat dock under it if you've ever seen um black lagoon they're like base of operations with the um boat dock that the torpedo ship the lagoon the 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 torpedo ship sits in like he lived in that kind of house in that kind of situation but um and i've always found those cool so like his room is like messy as fuck but he has these huge panel windows and it's literally like his room panel windows little tiny strip of like an outdoor balcony thing and then ocean um but the town is surrounded by all these rock by all these like rock like jutting rock like cliff things so there's all of this shade and kai feels like he's in shadow constantly and then you see the kind of main part of his house and The history of his family is constantly over his head, because his his grandfather has all the family, um, has all the family... uh, like, ancestors, pictures, up on, up on like, a ledge above the room, and he lives with his grandfather and his father, and you don't know what happened to Kai's mother, but what you realize is that Kai's mother wasn't happy, so she stayed in Tokyo and Kai's father moved with Kai back to live with Kai's gra- grandfather and Kai's father's father. Um, and he doesn't see his mother anymore. And, but the way that they always pitch it is it's slightly ambiguous until they come right out and say it towards the end of the movie he just says you know she's not with us anymore and that gives you the idea that like she's dead because and the movie enforces that idea because once again you see all the ancestors over like over, over his head whenever he's at home and in kind of the public space not in his like ...literal trash heap of a room. Um, but... ...so that makes... ...that makes you, like, understand why he's depressed... ...on some level, he lost his mother. But... ...pretty close to the end of the movie... ...they tell you, no, he didn't lose his mother. Like, it's almost worse. She just doesn't want to live with his... ...with his father anymore... And he's living with his father. So it's a, it's a separation slash divorce situation. Which like really fucks kids up all the time. And you, you understand why Kai is so like, is so in his fucking feelings. Because it, his father and, you know, his mother wasn't happy and stayed in Tokyo to be happy. His father came home and st- became a fisherman and is just, like, doing an adult life thing, not following his dreams. And Yuho and um, Yukito, I think that's his name. Damn it, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, he's, like, the one character I didn't write down. But they have formed this band. And it's like a kind of crappy high school band but so they go they go to so they convince they're like Kai you need your beats are so great they're just trying to cheer him up (laughs) honestly they're really just trying to cheer him up like Kai your beats are so great let's go to the old amusement park and practice on the in the outdoor like amphitheater arena And he, like, reluctantly agrees. They go over there. And when... So they start playing, and his beats start playing. And you hear, like, a... I wrote down that the first time you hear Lou sing, it, it sounds like a Splatoon sound effect. And so, actually, on that note, this movie clearly has... This movie demonstrates that, like, it is not an insular thing outside of pop culture. Does that make any sense? Because, like I said, I it's a split. There, there's a Splatoon, like. It felt like a Splatoon reference when you hear Lou sing from, like, under the water in the Distant the first time. Um, but. This whole this, this movie has a very real feeling of connection to the world outside of it. If that makes any sense, like it it feels it feels it feels like it exists in a reality in, in like a version of our reality. Like we were alive when this happened. I say, and I say that because in, in his other two movies, um in his other two movies and even his show, um Keep Your Hands Off Isaacan, he creates these worlds that feel outside and also I should also mention um this is true of Devil Man as well. Um he these worlds and Devil Man is less his doing and Morghona Guy's doing, but in Ulisses shows the world seems of the show seems insular and separate from the world we know. If that makes any sense, um, this is also true to Tommy Galaxy. It's like a, it's like it's a separate thing. It's not concerned with fitting into reality. This movie Lou over the wall fits really cleanly into reality. It says Tokyo exists, you can go there. By the end of the movie, um, Yuho is applying to college there. Um it says, you know, it has really it it says like, you know, no Kai, you shouldn't be in a band, you should like just study as hard as you can, get a good job and have a good life. Like It is very connected to reality in a way that is not altogether common for Misaki Yuasa's stuff. And the reason why that's important is because it gives... It gives Kai's struggle more weight than, like, um, the male protagonist of... um, walk-on girl because you feel like he's existing in the real world and he's struggling with the real world and he's trying to push back against all the adults in his life telling, telling him, like, your dreams mean shit, go get a real job. And all of the adults in his life are like, no, your dreams are shit, go get a real job. And it gives it, it, it makes his depression feel... Um. It, it 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 gives you the viewer. It gives you the viewer the ability to like feel that his depression is valid because he doesn't live in some wacky dreamscape at all. Um and and the stuff that happens to him outside of the like magical moments where he meets Lou, or, or is with Lou feel real and feel like uh, this kid keeps getting shit on on one on some level or another so but anyway so he's practicing with his two bandmates they hear lou and then at some point they're leaving the they're leaving the cove the cove it's the name of the like outcropping thing i'm a moron they're leaving the cove that the theme park the abandoned theme park is in which by the way is much like in Spirited Away a definite reference to the like night to the late night to the like crash of the Japanese economy in the late nineties. And there are just abandoned theme parks in Japan. More than a handful of them, from what I understand. And they are strange. <laughs> because at some point Japan was like, what if we build a lot of theme parks? And, like, something to the order of more than half of them just failed at some point. But, anyway, so, they're leaving, and they see, um, they see poachers out in the waters, and you're not supposed to fish around there, A, because dangerous, B because like basically the city council has designated a protected zone because posterity or whatever. And they the poachers pick pick on him and Lou intervenes with the first with the first um incident of the form of like magic that's in this movie. Which is basically, and I, as someone who has more than a passing, like experience with animation, I I see this and I see like they came up with a really simple way to demonstrate it and a really simple concept, and they just expanded on it in a way that makes it feel larger than life and great. And it like it the most fun parts of the movie are when merfolk Lou and the others at the end of the movie are using basically water like water bending but the, the water doesn't come up in like splashes it comes up in like extruded 3d boxes so like Lou lifts these asshole poachers up in like this like and this, like, squit long rectangle just... whoop And then disappears and they fall into the water. But also... But before that happens, Kai loses his cell phone, which is a bag, and it, like, floats away. And he gets home, and he's kind of depressed. And then he's doing what he does absent mindedly we need to press, which I certainly relate to, is he start just start coming up with beats on his computer, just like a thing to like keep his brain from going off the deep end. And he gets a like spray of water to the back of the head. He Turns around, he sees Lou, a little mermaid girl, and she like erupts a big block of water into his room. And like, this sequence happens where he's trying to hide it from his dad because his dad, it, it, his dad, who's like a study Nazi, and his grandfather, who is very against merfolk because he swore he saw one when he was a kid and it took his mother from him. And what. So. Is that in that sequence you learn that like Lu, like music allows Lou to allows Lou's mermaid fin to like deweb and split into legs so she can like dance and have fun and all this stuff. but one of the things that the movie does really, really 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 well is it, builds on the mythology that they tell you as just kind of like little tidbits here and there. So, oh, it's not just Lou that responds to music. It's all merfolk. But Lou is the point where they are like, hey, this is how merfolk respond to music. They dance. Um, Lou in particular because she really likes music. And her and kai becomes friends this is the like start of kai coming out of depression like he's still it's still in fits and starts and then he's like all of a sudden like super happy and drops off super happy and drops off and this movie is about this movie and the is about like stepping out of the shadow of bad depression and you know the fact that like people can help you with that and they can push you in the right direction, but you need to step out of that shadow yourself. And so one of the plot points is that Lou does that Murfolk don't like the sunlight. and you find out later from um, Yukito's gran- grandfather who's like the who's like the town priest. That there's a whole big myth and curse about the, about, like, what happens when you fuck with the merfolk. And that does ultimately come to pass. But what happens is, by the end of the movie, uh, there's a few bad actors who end up being morons because they think that Yuho is kidnapped by merfolk. And there's all these reasons to believe that... Like, merfolk have been kidnapping people for years. But what you find out at some point... In, like, the second third of the movie, there's a sequence where Lou wants to hang out with Kai, but it's late at night because Lou can't, Lou can't be out in daylight so she shows up at night all the time. And she wants to hang out with Kai, and Kai kind of gives in. He's like, okay, I'll, like, hang out with you until the morning. And... They encounter a, a um, animal shelter with um, lost and unwanted dogs, and and he explained it to Lou, and Lou's like, "Oh, okay, nobody wants them." She like creates a, wa- a water, like another like water tower, and like throws it in, floats the thing out, gets all these dogs like in this block of in this cube of floating water. And then she like jumps into the cube, and she bites all of them and turns them all into mer dogs, and that sets up that the story that you've been hear that the show has been t- that the movie has been telling you about mer being e- eating humans isn't actually true. They bite humans and turn them into mer- other murfolk people. Mermaids and mermen. And murdogs in this case. But what so like the murdogs are like like all swim off and there's one murdog who like hangs out and is like a like Lou's like dog buddy. And Lou and Kai's dog buddy murdog buddy. And that's kinda of the last you see of them for a while. Like that's the last time they matter for a while. And everything's kind of going okay, you know. Yukito and Yuho are like really love Lou and they're and they're all hanging out, and they get the chance to perform at the like town ta- at the town celebration where. It's to honor the people lost to the merfolk, basically. Or who they think are lost to the merfolk. Because this has been happening for generations. And it kind of gets fucked up. But... It turns into this big rockets party where, like... Lou's dancing under an umbrella and, like, all this stuff. But the music stops for, like, Keypoint and her feet snap back into a flipper... And everybody's like, oh shit, mermaid. And then it happens again. And they're like, oh shit. Mermaid. Get it. And they so they get Lulu to escape. And... But see, it's an odd thing that happens. Is they... Basically, Kai, Yuho, and Yukito all end up in front of the town council. The leader of which, is Yu, you find out, is Yuho's father, which is an important plot point. And they're like, okay, where's the mermaid girl? Like, and, and they're interested in, in killing this girl or, like, capturing her or anything. They want her to be, like, the spokesperson for the relaunch of Mermaid Land, which is the defunct theme park on, in in the, um, in, in the uh, what's it called? I had the name, it that they practiced on. And Kai's really against it because it, it, he's worried about Lou, but also he doesn't he doesn't want to leave the shadow of depression himself just yet. But it like because as someone who had been deeply depressed, trust me. I think all of us can re- can identify with this at this point. Thank you, COVID nineteen. There's a there's a comfort to depression. There's a this is terrible, but at least I know what this is to depression. Happiness is like a it's a Beautiful, unpredictable thing. But at least when you're depressed, it feels in the moment like, okay, I, I can handle this. Like, this is all I can really handle right now. Moreover, I don't deserve anything more than this. I'm fine. I'm fine with not being fine, basically, is what I would say. But... Of course, Kai, um, Yukito and Yuho push him to, um, push him to get Lu to, like, perform. And Lu shows up and she wants to perform herself. And they, and so they end up performing at this thing. It turns into, like... A more than mild matter disaster. And I think at the same time. Lou's father shows up. And Lou's far- father. Is this shark businessman Who's like. One story tall. And like two car lanes wide. And he's this like. Shark businessman. And like the first thing he does. Is he sh- the dock he shows up at. Is where the fishermen are like fucking, like, trying to, like, get the day's catch all organized. And he just, like, moves them out of the way, takes a fish, tastes it, like, huh, that one's okay. And he helps them, he helps these random fishermen just, like, uh, deal with the day's catch to make it, like, more, a better quality catch. And they're like, okay, we're into this. And he just walks off looking for Kai and then he finds Kai and everything's kind of okay and he just he's just he's like he's this like weird chess piece they add into the movie seemingly just as like a comedic moment because the thing I want to underscore with this movie is it's not that it's a kid's movie but it's definitely a movie that like a kid could watch and like have a lot of fun with this is a really fun movie, and it makes real The points it makes, it makes them simplistic enough where a little kid could get them, or but an adult can still be like, yeah, okay. And, like, an adult viewer could read farther into it. Um, but over time, because the thing with Lou went south, odd things start to happen. If that makes any sense first thing is is that the dogs are like depressed and hungry and they find the big cylindrical fish nets that they catch fish in for the port town which by the way i noticed in the beginning of the movie that this depiction of like a port town feels real it feels right it's like it, it doesn't i mentioned before that you also have a tendency to over-engineer the, like, background reality of a show. This is true of Isaac Ken, And oftentimes he uses it as a way to tell his story and a way to add layers to the stories that him and his team are telling. But here, the... Like, stark detail of reality, or like, stark detail in the Yuasa kind of super flat style of reality, lets you l- l- latches you onto the like the town and the movie itself better because the last third of the movie is total, like, merfolk everywhere, water bending madness. But because it has that real, because it has that real ground, like, base grounding it, when they introduce Big Papa Shark Dad, it's not like you're like, oh, okay. It's like, he's, yeah, <laughs> Big Papa Shark Dad is fucking inspired. Um, But, so, the Murdoch's, the first kind of, like, Odd thing that happens is the Murdogs dogs, like get hungry, eat all of the, like eat all of the fish to the bone. Like the fish are still alive, but they're they like bony fish, like heads and tails, no meat on them. Um, in all the fish in all the fish net traps that the fishermen set out. So, it, what this. Set. What this seems to imply to some, to not necessarily always to a younger viewer, though I would never give, I would never not give younger viewer cr- viewers credit in watching something and not picking up on something like this. But what they set up in that like couple scene sequence is. M- humans tried to take advantage of nature for their own gain. They pushed it too far, and as a result, nature, like, lashed back out, and there's, like, th- that sequence in the movie, like, that cu- those couple scenes in the movie in those orders feel like the equivalent of, like, under deep water drilling equals oil spill, if that makes any sense. Like, they fucked with the merfolk and got everything all out of whack. So now the merfolk, the, like, dogs, are eating the fish that they, that are, that is this town's livelihood. And from there, Yuho runs away because basically Kai is, like, he, he, like, retreats back to being he retreats all the way back in his feelings because he sees how um nightmarish they treat nightmarishly they treat um Lou because so I have a note here let me see if I can find it it just says hyper capitalism is gonna kill someone and once they once lou agrees to be like a performer at this thing's grand opening they kick it into like bowl gear and you see these this like quick panning shot of like a souvenir stand and all this stuff with lou like it's like a stuffed animal version of lou it's like stuff with her face on it they're using her as like the mickey mouse of this like revive of this like rehab theme park, and it just it, it feels distinctly like it feel feels distinctly for like the kids generally want to do it with the exception of Kai because Kai like he all the way back in his feeling, and then but um Yuho and Yukito say like yeah we want to do it so Lou agrees because she's their friend too and Kai's in the audience just to make sure nothing like because he can't help himself and he wants to make sure Lou's okay but during the course of the performance you see that you see um Yuho stop playing guitar but somebody else dressed like her is still playing the guitar and she's says to Yukito at one point, we're not playing, but our music is. We're being taken advantage of of here. And it's the implication there that it's her father doing that because her father is like dead set on this being like successful and revived and like rehabbing the town's reputation and all this shit. So she ends up basically... Running away because Kai is being a dickbag to her. Her father took advantage of her and took advantage of her and her friend and Lou. And as a result, her father, who, like, prizes her as this, like, object of his, like, achievement and, like, beauty. is like, the merfolk ain't my daughter. Let's go get them. They capture Lou, and this is getting into like the end of the movie. But they capture Lou, and in like the second half of the movie, the, you hear Yukito's grandfather, the priestess guy, tell this sto- tell this story about the curse of the of the Shadow Stone or whatever it's called. I think it's called the Shadow Stone, and it's that a mermaid was convicted of was people people in the village at one point would would convince that a mermaid ate someone. That the the merfolk ate somebody. So they captured a mermaid, and they basically nailed her to this fucking rock, and let her bake in the sun, because they they do not like direct sunlight. And this big black evil monster came out of the ocean, came and got the mermaid and just wrecked the town in the process and they went back in the ocean. And the curse was like, and put a curse on the town that if they ever did it again, if they ever harmed a mermaid or merman or merdog or whatever, the town would basically be drowned. And so Yuho running away from home and vanishing Triggers them capturing Lou. And then threatening Lou with fucking heat lamps. And it turns out Big Boy Shark Daddy is also the, like, monster of legend. And he goes for his daughter. And this, like, all these actions eventually spur... Kai into like grabbing his grandfather's old ukulele and like playing it and trying his best to you know help help Lou and save her but also save their like sleepy port town and it turns it ultimately turns into the merfolk all the merfolk from the ocean show up to like save the town and what you learn is what you suspected at the point at which you realized, like, oh, merfolk bite people to turn them into mermaids, is that all these people, this old woman who lost her, who lost her hus- husband and Kai's grandfather who lost his mother, they weren't lost because they were eaten. They were lost because they were genuinely, like, drowning or in trouble underwater. And the merfolk bit them to save them. So uh, earlier in the movie, like maybe the second third of the, the beginning of the first third of the last third of the movie, Kai's grandfather tells this, has this flashback scene It's very like cut paper esque, where you see his recollection of his mother being eaten by a mer, being like eaten by a mer mermaid and at the very end of the movie and this made me cry because it was really it was like really a sweet moment he sees her as as a mermaid and he realizes that his memory was warped because of trauma and she was pinned under their fishing boat a mermaid came and bit her to save her So she could continue to breathe, so she could breathe in water. And then she's thinking like, oh, I'm saved somehow. Gets unpinned and goes back on the boat and the sunlight starts to burn her up. And she freaks out and dives in the water because she's like, oh, fuck. And they finally meet at the end of the movie. And it's this like really heartwarming scene. The um, old lady who fucking hates mermaids, merfolk meets her long-lost husband as a merfolk, as a merman, and he's like, I, I'm i fine, I'm a merman. You know what, here, and he just bites the shit out of her and she becomes a merman, and she's like, oh, fuck, I'm a mermaid, okay. And it's, just, it's the whole thing ends in this heartwarming crescendo that is also accompanied by the, like, awesome music of this of this like whole mu- of this whole movie because the thing about this movie is more than the other Misaki Yuasa movies or properties this is about this has a core element of music and it has a core understanding of not just music but popular music and Music is a plot device in this film. So, what... But, at the end, Lou and all the other merfolk mer- basically, like, boop, vanish. After this big raucous party, Kai looks away for one second, and they're all gone. And, but Kai's okay, because Ka- because what has happened by the end of this movie it's a big rock outcropping that shaded the entire port town had now been destroyed and the whole town is this like sunny beautiful new place and that's used as a metaphor for kai having come out of his like deep feelings of depression and being able to move on through the world knowing that it is what it is and he just has to be the best person he can be in it. And he goes to his dad and he says, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And his dad, his dad also having learned a lesson. Everybody in this port town having learned this lesson um, cohesively. is like, yeah, go for it, kid. And then you see Lou just kind of like. Do a swan, do like a dolphin dive, up and out, up and out of the water and back in for a couple seconds, off in the distance, and you're like, oh, she's still there, and it just as, uh, as a anime movie, it's a really really fun time. It's a lot. It's just a lot of fun to watch, and it's got a great. It's like odd but great soundtrack. Um, as a Misaki, as a Misaki Yuasa movie, it is surprisingly well grounded and surprise. It it deals with. It's the least. It feels the least experimental of all the movies I've seen. Of his, his shows are different because the shows are either super experimental or super not. Um Isaacin is experimental on like the visual level but not in the like it, it, it doesn't feel odd that it's being made. It feels fun that it's being made, but it's not like it's not like something like Tatami Galaxy, which is a thing that is experimenting with time, storytelling, um, perspective, all that stuff. Um, and his other movies feel much less about, feel much less tethered to a common reality and more tethered to their own reality than Lou Over the Wall does. So, if I mean, if you've never seen it it's on netflix right now that's how i watched it today um or it's time of this recording and it's totally worth a watch it, i mean like what else are you doing you're sitting in your fucking house you're sitting, sitting in your fucking house and you listen to me go watch over the wall it, it's well worth it and on that note i have been alex you've been listening to lunchbox radio if you like this podcast um then give it a five-star review on iTunes. That it helps the show a lot. Also, you can tell your friends about it. You can subscribe to this show on any podcast app of choice. Um, I And I will talk to you on Sunday. Ah.
1: It's 思いでやあなたとの毎日本当